Good morning. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for your bountiful blessings. Thank you for a people that will get up an hour early to be in the church. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you that you've honored us with your holy presence. Lord, we've already sent your presence in this place and worship and prayer and giving. Bless, dear God, as we break the bread of life. In Christ's name, amen. If you do not have an outline of a sermon, please raise your hand, and they will make sure you have one. I guess. Where's, where's our brother? He's getting them. Hold it just a second, and they're going to get someone to give those out. I want everyone to have. I don't know. I don't know when I've been as excited over a sermon as I have this sermon today. And uh, it's exciting just to read the Bible. They're giving them out now if, you've re if you'll raise your hand. Uh, it's exciting just to read the Bible, study the Word of God, and uh, to hear what God is saying. And I believe God is speaking this morning to us as we look to one of the minor prophets in the Bible, probably one of the least ricks in the Bible, Zephaniah. Zephaniah. And uh, we'll begin reading with verse 11 of chapter 3. There's only three chapters in this short book of Zephaniah. I, I want to hear what God is saying. Now, we understand, and most of us know, but if you do not know, the Old Testament is, is a powerful, powerful testament of writings of men that was anointed of God. And it starts, of course, we have Genesis with uh, the creation. But then it records a man by the name of Abraham. And much of the Old Testament writings is to his descendants, a nation that is called Israel. And as some of us know, the nation of Israel split into two nations. Now, these are children of God, and God had these writers inspired to write to Judah and to Israel, and these principles, many of these principles and these laws, whether it was Moses, whether it was the major prophets or the minor prophets, these writings were for us today as well as for uh, the nation of Israel. So when you read the, the Old Testament, and I would encourage you to do that, I would encourage you to get a, a snapshot vision of the Old Testament because it adds so much when you're studying the New Testament. And here this prophet, by the name of Zephaniah, is prophesying. Now understand 
the nation of Israel has already gone into captivity. And you have the nation of Judah left. These nations, Israel, Judah, had kings, some good, some bad. Well, right before Zephaniah started prophesying, there was the king, and he served for 50 years by the name of Manasseh. Manasseh was a very, very wicked king. In fact, uh, he had made idol worship and child sacrifice a common practice. You say, Brother Don, child sacrifice. They literally sacrifice, allow their children to be killed for these idols. And you say, isn't that awful? I mean, it's hard for us in our culture, in our modern age today, to think about offering children for sacrifice. And yet our governor, Roy Cooper, just vetoed a born alive abortion bill. A bill that would have required doctors to try to preserve the life of any infant born alive during an attempted abortion. We're no different than Judah was. Thousands and thousands of babies being sacrificed on the altar of pleasure simply because we want to have our way. So this is the time that Zephaniah is prophesying at the end of his Manasseh's reign. And lo and behold, here comes another king of Judah by the name of Josiah. He started as a king at a very, very young age. And he is a king that brought reformation, hope, back to the nation of Israel. And there are a lot of people believe that Zephaniah was or played a big part in this great restoration of the law of Israel. Uh, he did away with idol worship and right on down the line that this great young king and, and, and that story in itself is just, listen, you, you, you have to study that to really appreciate it and to understand it. But he comes in, Zephaniah does, on the tail end of Manasseh's evil reign, and he comes in with judgments. Chapters 1 and 2 speak of the great judgments that is going to befall the nation of Israel because of their disobedience. And you can find that here. I, 
I'm not sure that I'll read all these verses. I'll just take one verse, if you allow me. Sister Tammy, verse 17. And it reads like this, The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. Now there are several interpretation of that short statement there. He will quiet you with his love. One of, and I think it's a better translation, he will rest in his love. But I think the best translation of that, and if you look at the Hebrew translation of it, he will be silent in his love. He will be silent in his love. And then at the end of this verse it says, he will rejoice over you with singing. Notice the introduction on your outline, if you will. As is true in the most of the prophets, Zephaniah's writings has three components. Number one, the pronouncement of specific and often universal judgment for sin. Number two, an appeal for repentance because God is righteous and because God, I love this, is willing to forgive. And the third component of a lot of the prophets writing, a promise that the remnant who have made God their refuge will be saved. Now, notice, God upon their repentance bids Judah to sing, to shout, to rejoice with all their hearts. And God joins in the celebration, in jubilation. God sings. Uh-oh. God sings? God dances? It's, it's just amazing. And shouts for joy as he tells them of his love. One translation says he sings and twirls about. Not over his creation, but over you. Wow. Wow. Zephaniah gives us three characteristics of those whom verse 17 applies. If you're calling on him and seeking to serve him, verse 9, if your pride has been broken and you have come to him humbly seeking forgiveness, 11 and 12. If you are growing in holiness by obeying his commands. In other words, God often does this through his ordained and anointed writers. He sends a message of judgments and it paves the way for restoration and hope. Wow. And that's, that's these three chapters. That's this great prophet, Zephaniah. Notice, first of all, there is a great presence. The Lord your God is with you. That means he's with you at 3518 Rose of Sharon Road. That means he's with you at home. 
when the sun's shining bright or when the clouds come over. That means he's with you when everything's going okay. And that means he's with you when things aren't going the way that you would like for them to go. God Almighty, I like the NLT translation. It reads like this. Look at number two. For the Lord your God has arrived to live among you. Wow. You know the devil will try to tell you God don't love you. God's nowhere to be found. He is a flat out liar. God's moved in with you. When you accepted Jesus Christ, you know what he said? You know what the Bible says? You know what the word says? He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How that should cheer our hearts when we feel alone, when we, at times, feel abandoned. If only we could see with heavenly eyes the great presence with us, we would be so much more comforted when the old enemy, when Satan himself comes out against us. I mean, there's a host of angels, but more than that, God Almighty, the one that spoke this world and universe into existence, abides with you through and by his Holy Spirit. A great presence. Number two, a victorious warrior. As we look at God's love for his people, I love that statement, these two lines, read it. As we look at God's love for his people, lest we think that love is some sort of soft, sentimental emotion that has no strength to act, we are introduced here to a mighty warrior. He fights for us. He wields the shield of power and sword of the Spirit. And there is not one thing the devil can throw at you that he won't give you power over. Would you praise God for that? Would you praise God for that? He is defender of the weak and the fatherless. And the express purpose of this great warrior is to save us. I don't know of anything that can top that. Nothing can trump that. That God Almighty saved us. And that word saved carries with it a lot. That God has done for us, is doing for us. Salvation itself. We see it clearly at the cross. Brother Don, how do you know what you're saying is true? Because we, you and I, have the privilege, not necessarily looking forward to the cross, but looking back at the cross. Looking back at the cross. And I know that God allowed Jesus to come, go to that cross to conquer every evil force in the world every lie every spirit of deception evil no matter what it is God Almighty has allowed Jesus to go to the cross to die for you and I and welded 
from that cross. Victory. The mighty warrior taking on sin on our behalf to provide protection. We see the depths and we see the lengths in which he will go. How far will you go? He said, son, go down. And how far will Jesus go? He will lift those arms between heaven and earth and allow the spikes to be driven through them and the spikes through his feet and the spear in his side. And he'll pray, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. How far will he go? The cross testifies to how far he will go. We have the great presence. We have the victorious warrior. And then an overjoyed, overjoyed father. Can I ask you something this morning? What do you think that God thinks of you? When you think of God, what is your view of God? How does he feel towards you? There was a survey or a uh, poll taken. A study in September of 2006, sociologists from Baylor University released the results of a study looking into America's different views of God. What does people think of God? How do you see God looking at you? In our society, the study included a Gallup survey which identified four distinct views of God's personality and interaction with the world. Those who believe in the authoritarian God, 31%. They believe that God is angry at humanity's sins, engaged in every creature's life, and engaged in world affairs. He's just an angry God because of your sin and your ungodliness and your lifestyle. Then there's 23% believe in the benevolent God who is forgiving and accepting of anyone that will repent. 16% excuse me 16% looks at God as a critical God who has his judgment eye on the world but will not intervene to either punish the world or comfort you. And then there is the distant God, 24.4%, the distant God, who is more of a cosmic force that launched the world and left it spinning on its own. That's how the world feels about God. That's what the world, when they look at God, that's how they believe God looks at them. How do you feel that God looks at you? Do you listen to the devil when he says you're no good? When he says that God is a distant God, he can't be there with you? How do we feel? Well, I want you to know 
And that's the reason I'm excited about this sermon. I want you to know how God feels. He is like an overjoyed father. Number one, he will rejoice over you with joy. This is a picture the Bible paints of God as he looks at us. He takes delight or rejoices over you with gladness. That's not the picture Satan wants you to see of our God. He wants you to see a thundering down God with lightning coming from his hands and anger in his eyes. But notice, never once does he regret the price that he paid. Can you imagine Jesus coming and dying on the cross and then we come to him and then we act sometimes like we do, just human ways. We sin. Can you imagine? Well, bless God, I went and died on the cross and look what you're doing. No, he doesn't do that. Never one time does he regret what he did for us. Not only does he rejoice over us with joy, he will be silent in his love. I fell in love with Carol when she was young. Too young. She fell, no, she fell in me when she was four, loving me when she was 14 years old. Well, most of us know the story of how pretty strict these girls' dad was. I love him. I love him. I miss him so much. But he was strict. I weighed 115 pounds soaking wet. I was nothing but breeches and breath. And he weighed about 200 pounds. He, he, he was a boxer. And he didn't want anyone messing with his three girls. And so there were times we could not be affectionate. But there were times we could just hold hands. And you've heard the foot story. I won't go through that this morning, but uh, the toe story. Do you remember when you fell in love? Because she and I, we didn't have to say anything. You ever loved somebody enough, you didn't have to say anything. You just look in each other's eyes. Just breathe real deep. That, 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 that's the kind of love that he loves us with. Sometimes we think we've got to be talking all the time, saying something all the time. Sometimes it's just good to be silent. Look at what I wrote. Here's a picture of perfect contentment. He is silent in his love, wordless adoration. You remember when you first saw your, your love? How did you? Just doing something, Michael was telling me, Michael Man, McAfee was telling me, 
that he was in this church and Joe, uh, Jolene, he'd never seen him before. And she came in and he said, He just, he just that, that first look, nothing was said. Nothing was done. It just, that deep, silent, caring, wonderful love. How long has it been since we've let God love us like that? Just hold his hand. Let him nestle, nestle up to you and whisper in your ear. You see, the devil works overtime trying to get God's people to think that God don't love you. You know what you did years ago? You know the sins that you committed back yonder? That's a lie of the devil because when you come to Jesus Christ, the blood cleanses us from... God loves you more than we can even comprehend. That, that wordless love and adoration. The husband who looks into his wife's eyes and is lost for words. No words. No words can seem adequate. No one could have been any better to me than my wife's been to me. I've been such a burden to her. Got to go to this doctor and that doctor. You got to go here and she... And she goes with me. She don't have to go with me. And the other day, I just wanted to tell her, honey, thank you. Thank you so much. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we just looked at our husbands and our wives and our loved ones, our children and our moms and our dads and our brothers and our sisters and say, I just love you. I don't have words. I can't explain it. I can't describe it. But that's how God loves us. God loves us with a love that supersedes any love. This carnal love that the world has. This ungodly love. It's such a facade. It leaves you empty. But God's love doesn't. He fulfills you. He blesses you. Not only does He love us and will be silent in His love, but then Zephaniah says, He will rejoice over you with singing. Now, I think of the angels singing. They sung to the shepherds on the hillside and sung throughout the scriptures. I, I, I think of Jesus 
on the night he was betrayed that he and his disciples, some recordings and some writings said they sung one, more than one hymn. But I can see Jesus. He was the worship leader that night. I don't know, Matt. We might have to step aside for that worship leader. But the Bible says that Jesus knew he was facing the cross. But they sung a hymn. Can you imagine Jesus singing right before they come to arrest him? And the cruelly punish him. I, I, I can imagine Jesus singing. But it's kind of hard for me to think of God. The, the Bible says his voice is like many waters. When you go to Niagara Falls and you stand at the base of those falls and you hear them, it's, <coughs> excuse me, it's, 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 wow. And his voice, can you imagine the one that said to this universe, let there be light and boom, it resonated throughout the darkness. It caused darkness to flee. Just that voice. Can you imagine that voice singing to me? Wow. Can you imagine it? The greatest choir in the world. The greatest singer in the world. There's no comparison. But he sings to us. Sometimes I believe if we would cut off our phones, our computers, quieten the things around us, Stop listening to the enemy. Close ourselves in and begin. I, I kind of believe we could hear him sing. Let's, let's live a life that we can hear him singing more to us. He will because he loves us. And then we read the silent contentment that we just said doesn't last long. It cannot be contained. He can't contain himself. He's silent and he loves us and he's looking at us and he's silent. Then all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, he bursts forth into jubilant singing over his people. That's how much he loves us. Can you hear the voice that said, let there be right light reverberating around the heavens in triumphant song? Grasp it. Revel in that. Relish it. For this is true not just for the preacher, not just for Mr. and Mrs. Goody Shoe Shoes. It's good for all of us. And when the devil tells you, that God doesn't love you. You say, devil, 
You're a liar. I know he does. Because God's word, inspired by a powerful writer, tells me that today, when they're pushing you down the corridor on a stretcher, taking you to the operating room, God loves you. And he'll sing to you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Sister Carol, he restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will hear him sing. I will hear him sing. And when they give me that shot to put me to sleep, I will go to sleep speaking in tongues. There's nothing like the comforting of God's Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? It's real. It's not bricks and mortar and buildings and seats and, and, and musical instruments. And It's God singing to me. Singing to me. And telling me, I love you so much. I'll bless you. Come, brother, Matt, and team, and sing for us. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. What did he do? He gave his life. What more can he give? Father, somehow I feel your Holy Spirit in a very special way today. Your word, your word, has encouraged all of us this morning. You've spoken peace and hope, joy and contentment. Lord, we can understand a little, a little bit about how you love us. How you joy over us, rejoice over us, sing over us. God, I don't know, I don't know if I can understand it or not, but I try. I try. And when the devil sees me hurting or in pain or troubled or discouraged, and he tells me, You're, you don't care. I know you do care. And Lord, your love is like salve 
and all pour on the wound. And you heal us. You soothe us. You comfort us. You bless us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just close your eyes just a moment. Some of us have gone through some things this week or the last couple, several weeks. And things have hurt. Things can hurt real bad. Maybe someone said something, did something. Maybe you heard something. But I'm here to tell you there's a comfort in the Holy Spirit this morning. You say, Brother Don, will he change my circumstances? He can, and he might. But I know one thing he can do. He can give you victory in spite of your circumstances. Hallelujah. And I don't know, but I just sense the holy arms of God about to reach around someone and the powerful voice of God about to speak to someone. Let him do that. Let him do that. Let him minister to you. Let the Holy Spirit of God. If you're not saved, you need to be saved. You can ask Jesus to come into your heart and he will. If you're here today and you need God to touch you in any measure, let him do it. Ask him. Say, Lord, I need healing. Lord, I, I need uplifting. I need a breakthrough. I need victory in this fight that I'm fighting. I need you to be my warrior today. And I need Satan to be defeated in this battle that's been ongoing. And I, I feel this. Some of us have been in a battle. And I believe right now the great warrior of heaven is going to step on the scene and give you victory. Hallelujah. And we curse the enemy. We curse the devil. <coughs> we curse the, floor, the foe of this soul. And we believe God right now that you're given victory in Jesus' name. We believe, dear God, your power is going to intervene. And Lord, this coming week is going to be a difference in these lives and the darkness that was trying to overwhelm is going to be defeated hallelujah and God you're touching sick bodies we have so many out this morning that are sick right now I want you if you know someone out that's out sick today I want you to call their name as we pray father in the name of Jesus, we pray against sickness. We pray against affliction. We pray against the spirit virus. In Jesus' name. And we believe your healing. In the precious and holy name of Jesus.